What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Blazers. I'm your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. Do you want to know how to guarantee NBA news? Send your boy on vacation. Took a vacation this weekend. Uh, basically started as the Raptors won the NBA Finals. And by the time I got back, there was some big news in the NBA. Certainly the Raptors winning the title and uh, Clay Thompson's ACL injury were big news that happened basically as my vacation started. But once I really got into it, that's when the real news happened. That is a guarantee. So we're going to talk about the big news. That's what we're going to talk about first. Then we'll talk a little bit about the fallout from the Warriors' injuries, um, two just devastating back-to-back injuries for the former champs. And then finally, because we're just days away from the draft, the draft is Thursday evening. You're listening to this either very diligently on Monday evening or more than likely on Tuesday. The draft is days away. So we'll do some draft thoughts. Wrap up the Blazers' last two pre-draft workouts, which also happened while your boy was on a pass-first vacation. But let's start with the big news. Anthony Davis is a Laker. I mean, kind of, not really. One of the funny technicalities is when will Anthony Davis become a Laker? It's either in early July or late July. But in case you two were on vacation, here's what happened. After all this posturing and February drama of the Lakers offering every single player on their roster, essentially, to acquire Anthony Davis from New Orleans, the Lakers yielded. And what did they give up instead? Oh, just all of their draft picks until 2025, essentially. So the Lakers acquire Anthony Davis. In return, the New Orleans Pelicans get Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number four pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the 2021 pick, unless it lands outside the top eight, and then it becomes an unprotected pick in 2022, the vaunted double draft. New Orleans also gets an unprotected pick swap in 2023. They'll just get the better of either their pick or the Lakers pick if they want it. And again, there's an unprotected first rounder that they are owed in 2024 that if they don't like it, they can push it back to 2025. This is, as I texted a friend of mine, family member, in fact, who is a very big Pelicans fan, the only Pelicans fan I know, the only real Pelicans fan I know personally. This was a King's Ransom, a huge haul. And yet, as I sit here today and record this podcast, I kind of think it's an okay deal for both sides because the Lakers have the best player of the generation and his fading prime to worry about, and they landed a 26-year-old who's really, really good. I think at some point they'll regret not having a bunch of draft picks. It's kind of the same scenario that landed the Pelicans in hot water with AD to begin with, is that the Pelicans kept trading away high first-round picks. Now, I'm not sure Nerland's Noel over Drew Holiday would have been the thing that really saved AD's tenure. But you get the idea. Not having cheap, good young players to build around a star was kind of why the Pelicans ended up in the situation they're in. That and some bad injury luck. 
But I talked about this on a couple of the previous podcasts, is that I thought the Blazers had, and, and I'm, I'm mentioning Blazers because this is indeed locked on Blazers, so I got to tie it back into the, that team in the Pacific Northwest. It is tangentially related. I admit it. But thanks for rocking with me, nonetheless. But I mentioned a couple times in the podcast that I thought the Blazers sort of had, when you heard the reporting on what, on what the Pelicans were looking for, the Blazers sort of had those parts. Uh, maybe not the specifics needed to to land uh, Davis, but but really close. Uh, you know, CJ McCollum is better than both Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Certainly not younger. Brandon Ingram is twenty one. Lonzo Ball, I think, is maybe not yet twenty one. Tw- maybe twenty one as well. Josh Hart, a solid young guy. He actually had to go to more years of college, so he's a little you know in his mid twenties. Certainly younger players and more, more, maybe more proven players than Anthony Simons and Zach Collins. But when you look at the draft hall that the Lakers had to give up, and there's some reporting that uh, David Griffin wouldn't even consider picking up the phone until the Lakers started talking about three first-round picks. The Blazers were never going to do that. They weren't ever going to do it anyways because they're not looking to move CJ and they're probably not looking to move either any of their, you know, basically two promising young players. But you understand how limited the serious contenders were for a guy like Anthony Davis. Um, Mark Stein of the New York Times reported that uh, Jason Tatum, the Celtics prized and maybe in some circles wildly overrated wing, was not included in talks. And that's kind of when the Lakers or when the Pelicans pivoted and said, okay, we're focusing these trade talks on the Lakers. The Lakers had the best haul. They had the place where AD said he wanted to go and re-sign. You know, other teams that are maybe ha- could have gotten in on the mix weren't on his short list of places he would stay. So even then, with AD trying to use his leverage and the Lakers knowing that they were the best and perhaps only destination, the Pelicans were able to strong-arm them into getting a lot of draft capital. A top five pick in this draft, which uh, you know a lot of people think is four, is like the exact place you don't want to be in this draft. But who knows? I tend to agree with them, but I barely watch college basketball, so I can only believe what I read. But three picks beyond that is a huge draft haul, and you kind of you get this. You just when you see these big trades get consummated, you kind of start to understand what it would be like. What you, have, what you have to be willing to part with in order to acquire one of these types of stars. Now, maybe this doesn't, you know, I said it's a win-win for both teams. I, I think it's, it's hard to say whether any of these guys pan out for New Orleans, which is part of the risk in trading these guys. It's why Neil Olshay has said in the past, uh, you know, you'd never get commensurate value for trading a guy like C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. And I think, I think even with this awesome haul that, uh, New Orleans got, I think it's fair to, to ask whether they got commensurate value. They certainly got a lot of valuable things, but is Lonzo Ball or is, are Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram all-stars? I think Lonzo Ball is like a six foot six Ricky Rubio, which would make him a very good point guard on a bunch of teams that win games. That's not a bad thing to be. Brandon Ingram might end up being American and Andrew Wiggins. That is a bad thing to be if you're on a max contract, but a guy who can go score 18, 20 a night pass a little bit and defend and as big as Brandon Ingram, maybe at 21, he's definitely worth, you know, I would say he's definitely worth taking a flyer on, even if you're not a fan of him. 
Full disclosure, I'm not a fan of Brandon Ingram, but I think he's worth taking a flyer on at his age and production level. He looked pretty good when he didn't play next to LeBron James. He might look really good playing with in an up-tempo system with Alvin Gentry and the athletes that New Orleans has. Josh Hart is just a really solid two-way wing, the type of player a lot of teams covet. He didn't have a great year last year, but the season prior, he looked really good. He looked like one of the, the Lakers' promising young pieces. And yet, trading, you, you, could, you could make the argument that the Lakers still won the trade because they're getting one of these top five players in the league, and the way you win championships, just ask the Toronto Raptors, is have one of the top five players in the league, surround him with good, good parts, you know, other top 20 type players. LeBron James, even if in his decline, is certainly one of the top 10 players in the NBA still. And probably at his absolute peak of effort is still the best player in the NBA, I would argue. So maybe the Lakers, you could say, won the trade because they have been vaunted into a championship-level team even after giving away all these assets. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. Because of what happened in the NBA Finals and what has happened with the Warriors over the last week, over the last six days or so, suddenly the West feels wide open. So that's what we'll talk about in segment two. What is the heading into free agency, heading into draft? What is the state of the Western Conference that for the past five seasons has been dominated by one team? But before we get there, I want to tell you guys that the Locked On NBA mock draft is underway. There's local experts in every draft room. Jeremy Wu of SI.com with player breakdowns and Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball with the fantasy breakdown. All of it is at Locked On NBA. Find it wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Picks 1 through 24 are already up. You can listen to those uh, long pods. Really interesting stuff. Breakdowns of all players and kind of some uh, interesting hypotheticals of how the Locked On hosts all over the country have have built their team. But also, Tuesday, if you're listening to this podcast Tuesday, head on over to Locked On NBA and find out what I did with the 25th pick in the draft. And I will give you a hint. I didn't use it. I turned in some stuff and made a big old trade. So find out what Mike Richmond did with the 25th pick in the draft with his, with his draft capital, young David Griffin. That's all available for you at Locked On NBA. Find it wherever you get podcasts. All right, so we talked about the AD trade and what it vaunts the Lakers to. I think the Lakers, even with their limited depth, and there's there's... I didn't want to get into sort of the minutia of this trade because you can find that on Locked On Lakers or Locked On Pelicans, but there's some concern after this trade has been agreed to whether it'll happen July 6th, which it would be the preference of likely the Pelicans, or if uh, the Lakers can get them to delay until July 30th. If they delay till July 30th, they would be trading the actual player drafted at number four and not the draft rights, which would give the Lakers a max cap slot. As it turns out right now, the Lakers may be limited to just $23 million, which might not give them a chance to add a third max player. Certainly $23 million of cap space is enough to play with to make the Lakers better, but whatever. Even as they stand today, having Anthony Davis and LeBron James and whatever type of minimum or mid-level veterans flock to teams of that quality, I think the Lakers have 
vaulted themselves into a contending tier. Uh, the, the good people at betonline.com already have them as the title favorites next year in terms of odds. That's more about the type of money you can make on how popular the Lakers are than is about whether some bookie thinks they're really the favorite, but you get the idea. They are certainly one of the teams that can win. And why are they one of the teams that can win? Well, because Klay Thompson tore his ACL in Game 5, excuse me, Game 6, just after Kevin Durant ruptured his Achilles in Game 5. The dynasty of this generation, five straight championships, or five straight title games, and three championships to show for it, the Warriors are suddenly in total disarray. Kevin Durant could leave. Klay Thompson will be limited, probably out eight or nine months if and when he returns next season. Suddenly it's Draymond Green, Steph Curry, a 35-year-old Andre Iguodala, and whatever combination of weird centers Steve Kerr loves to trot out, trying to get back to a sixth NBA title, just seems unlikely. The Warriors have, they're now a fringe playoff team if you just look at their roster. I think they could probably still end up in the mix because Steph Curry's really good and Draymond Green, uh, might be able to do more on offense than he does with their current construction, but still, you get the idea. They are no longer a championship, the championship favorites. They have certainly slipped a tier just because of those injuries, just because of some freak luck or maybe some bad medical things, whatever you want to call it. In addition, the sort of the second best team in the NBA of in the non-LeBron category, but I would argue just the second best team in the NBA over the last three seasons, the Houston Rockets are all of a sudden in a lot of dysfunction. Over at ESPN, uh, Tim McMahon has a great story detailing the Rockets' dysfunction, uh, pointing out that there's beef between D'Antoni and Man- Mike D'Antoni and the management. There's um, Tillman Fertitta, the new Rockets' owner, has kind of been uh, stepping in dog doo-doo ever since he took over the team, just creating unnecessary waves of his own with the way he handles the media and talks about the team, talks about the roster, etc., there seems to be some beef going on between Chris Paul and James Harden. Um, wouldn't be the first time that a teammate has thought James, that Chris Paul is a little too hands-on. It's kind of how he is. But the, the, the article also points out the Rockets were really good, even despite their obvious dysfunction. But still, if there's trouble in paradise and the Rockets may be actively trying to shop Chris Paul, Clint Capella, and anyone not named James Harden on their roster, there is suddenly... Space at the top. In addition, I think it was presumed for a long time this year that Kawhi Leonard, his most likely team to play on in the 2019-2020 NBA season was the Los Angeles Clippers. But perhaps winning a championship last week makes him more likely to stay in Toronto. All of a sudden, the competition in the Western Conference is way flatter than it's been. Just, just way flatter than it's been. So, as I did in the first segment, after seven minutes of talking about the rest of the league at large. Can I tie this back to the Blazers? You better believe it. That's why I am a pro. The Blazers obviously have their own health issues and their cap complications. Uh, They're just trying to get below the luxury tax in the next coming days in order to sign a couple free agents and improve their roster. They're going to lose some valuable parts of their bench, no question. There's no way Seth Curry, Rodney Hood, and Ennis Kanter all come back. All those dudes were crucial during their Western Conference Finals run. Yusuf Nurkic's 
while he's, you know, walking around and putting weight on that leg, as we saw him in the playoffs, his health future and his actually getting out on the court is uncertain. And yet, what had seemed inevitable that the Blazers had kind of topped out this time last year, now they're coming off a Western Conference Finals berth, and suddenly the West is just more wide open and more uncertainty than it's ever been. I just think that the way this season is shaping up, the way this offseason is shaping up, and there's still so many more things that will happen, and we'll cover them as they happen, as we do here at Locked on Blazers. But the Blazers are in better position just as from having done nothing over the past 10 days than they were two weeks ago. The West is, it's flat. The, the, the competition is pretty even, I would say. And the Blazers proved, and perhaps you think it's lightning in a bottle or perhaps you think it's repeatable, but they proved that they are at least on the same level as te- as 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 many Western Conference playoff staples. They're, they looked just straight up better than OKC, but if they played that series 10 times, Blazers probably don't win all 10 of them. And they proved to be pretty damn even with Denver, an up-and-coming team that's probably going to get better. They have two guys in their prime, and they did all of that without Yusuf Nurkic, healthy. There is real reason for optimism, even while admitting that the Blazers' challenge is incredibly steep. So the Blazers' first task as they try to get back to that level and push even further, find a path by making tweaks at the margins, field a team that can reach the finals, they got to go through the draft. they got to get through Thursday's NBA draft. And while your boy was out of town, they held their final two pre-draft workouts. That's what I want to talk about in the third segment. Who came in for the Blazers in... uh, their final lead-up to the draft. Who was in the Blazers practice facility? Who did the front office and coaching staff get a close look at in their final days before the draft? Before I do that, I want to remind you guys, as I've done plenty of times on here, is that when you get in your car, if you've got a commute or you're taking your kids to school, whenever you hop in your car and you're driving around town, tell your smart device, smart device, that is, to play podcast Lockdown Blazers. And I'll be right here with you for the whole drive. Improve your commute. Prove your day. All right, so there's so much free agency stuff to happen. But that's still 10 days away. There's probably going to be a, maybe not probably, I can't predict this, but there could be a slew of trades and player movement around the draft as as players try, as teams try to either maneuver and get better or maneuver and shed some money so they can be players in free agency, either retaining their own or chasing others. But Thursday is a fun night. For a lot of reasons, uh, I think the draft. People get excited about the draft because it, it offers the unknown, and 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 it's it's natural when you're rooting for a team to, the the shiny new toy. The unknown is so exciting. Like imagine how remember how excited everyone was about Gary Trent Jr., a dude who basically barely played this year, but this time last year when the Blazers drafted this prototypical shooting wing from Duke. That's kind of the level of player I think if the Blazers do end up with a draft pick that they might be end up with. So the Blazers held uh, two more draft workouts over the weekend. It's a long weekend for me, like I keep saying. But it was was their third and fourth workouts. They ended up bringing uh, 16 guys in front of of their crew. Excuse me, 24 guys. I'm 
math, basic arithmetic, not my strong suit as I stand here today. Usually I'm good at it. 24 guys. In their penultimate draft workout, uh, mostly some, some smaller names. Again, it was kind of guys who are on the fringe of the draft in general. Uh, maybe some summer league options, some free agent options. Probably not guys that will hear their names called in either round. The one name that they had that they they did bring in the one the sort of name that's right in the range is Casey Akpala, a forward from Stanford. Uh, as you guys know, if you've listened to this podcast a bunch, Carolina fan. Uh, Carolina did play Stanford, so I saw this dude play. He was fine. That's my assessment. Saw him in 28 minutes. Uh, he's he's kind of a long, uh, late developing wing, but he's probably right in their range. So he's they haven't done this a bunch. But they brought in a guy who could be right in their range. And so if they are going to use their pick, he's a guy that they might use their pick if they're there at 25. The rest of the crew, David Chris, Matcher Maker, Samir Sehek, Jalen Walker, Cameron Young from Quinnipiac. Shout out to Quinnipiac. I just want to say that's cool. But um, those guys probably won't probably won't be drafted. Another sort of, I'm not going to say low quality, but an unheralded guys. But the final workout for the Blazers was probably their best, probably their um, their largest collection of guys that uh, could be considerations for the number 25th pick, or also if the Blazers do trade out of the first round and move back to the second round, something I think is fairly likely, but maybe not easy to do, but certainly fairly likely they'll attempt. There was, uh, you know, four or five names that will almost certainly be on the list. Uh, Ingus Brad Zelkis from Michigan. I'm messing that up, but Iggy from Michigan. Michigan played Carolina this year. They beat the they beat the pants off the Tar Heels. This dude killed Carolina. So you know, I think he's going to be good. No, just kidding. I, I saw him play 22 minutes of a college basketball game. But but a forward who could play. And should be, he's probably more of a late round pick type of guy. Mid-second round to late late second round pick. But someone the Blazers probably could consider. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, a wing from Iowa State. Another guy who's mocked anywhere from the middle 20s to middle of the second round. Certainly under consideration. Louis King, uh, Oregon fans will know him. A one-and-done kid from Oregon. Uh, he's probably a second-round pick. But he's, you know, 6'9", a little skinny, but could put on weight. Uh, has an NBA-type sort of athleticism and, and, and build. But who knows? Admiral Schofield, uh, who... Listen, I'm just I'm just putting on for the Tar Heels right now, guys. It's just that's just what we're doing this segment. Uh, Carolina went into Tennessee, beat the Vols in Knoxville. Admiral Schofield, awesome in that game. I picked um, him and the I picked Tennessee back to back years to make the Final Four off the strength of watching Carolina play them once. Spoiler: They did not make the Final Four either of those years. But Schofield's really good. Um, he could play uh, a four year college guy. Um, he's he gets Draymond Green comps, but I think that's because he's like small, not super athletic, like short, not super athletic, and a little bit overweight or like kind of like puffy looking. He's got that like Draymond Green college size, but there is, he's not Draymond Green. What he is, is a kind of like positionless guy who, who uh, maybe doesn't rate as an NBA athlete, but does a lot of good things and won a lot of games at the college level. He could be there for the Blazers. He could be, uh, he certainly could be under consideration at 25. 
And uh, I was not at this uh, pre-draft workout, but uh, apparently he was a delight to media members there commenting on how fresh the Oregon air was and how wonderful Portland's tap water was. So if you want a dude who kind of already has a vibe of the city, maybe you're rooting for Admiral Schofield. Finally, uh, Rajon Tucker, a guard from Little Rock, University of Arkansas, Little Rock. He's he's probably not a draft guy, probably not will get drafted, but he's he's a name that you'll see pop up on um, pop up on some boards. Those are the biggest names, the the ones I just let, uh, listed off from the Blazers' final two draft workouts. Increasingly, it looks. I mean, I, I think the last cycle, the last six dudes who they brought in, kind of looked like they were. Those are guys really under consideration. Uh, and like I said, well, I think the Blazers would like to trade out of that 25 and get to the second round where you can offer a guy a minimum contract. It could be cheaper. Uh, it's not a, a slotted guaranteed deal. It gives the team just all types more flexibility if you can get a second rounder, particularly in a draft like this where there's a lot of debate between sort of like 10 and 50 teams might be all over, you know, different teams might have different boards all over there. So maybe if you, if you think you can get a guy later, maybe you can just get your guy in the second round. So maybe the Blazers just would be trading out, getting cheaper, and still getting the guy they wanted. They'll certainly sell it that way no matter what happens on draft night. No team has ever said, we didn't get the guy we wanted, it was a bummer. Although it would be a refreshing draft evening interview. But I think in that final workout in general, there this was just, these were legitimate targets. These wasn't favors or you know, doing some research for down the line if you're looking to fill up a summer league roster or bring in free agents and the like undrafted free agents in the future. This was these were, you know, four or five guys that 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 the team could legitimately target either with their pick or a later pick. But we don't know. It's the the, the fun of the draft is the mystery. So pour over your draft boards, look over at uh you know all of the draft experts, draft Knicks out there. You can tweet at me at Mike G. Rich on Twitter and tell me who your draft pick is, and I'll tell you if they played against Carolina or not. Promise. Certain I'll remember over the last four years any Carolina opponent. Probably longer than that, because that's how my brain works. I really appreciate you guys listening. We've got a fun week with the NBA draft. And listen, we're, what, Four days into the NBA offseason, we've already seen an Anthony Davis trade. This could be a really fun summer. And I think Thursday night is the beginning of that really fun summer. So keep rocking with me. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they download podcasts. I appreciate you guys listening. I'll talk to you soon.